You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. That's a fairly crummy way to start a morning. Maybe I got a fairly crummy day ahead. Maybe that makes a nice excuse. Maybe you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Jack, when you start with that attitude, it's like I don't even know who you are. What do you want to know? What difference does it make? I make you feel good, you make me feel good. Now what the hell more do you want from a guy? We should stop trying to make me mad. I don't have time for this, I gotta go to work. And I want the rest of you cowboys to know something. There's a new sheriff in town, his name is Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool. Welcome to the party, pal. Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother And this is technically the 21st installment of Action Movie Rewind. Happy 21! With Mackie and Judd. It started with that Judd Claude Van Damme piece of crap and it's gotten better since. <laughs> wow. By the way, I have another John claude Van Damme piece of crap in my you know movies what? to pick at some point, as just lo- so you know. As long as it's about one thirty-two in running time, I'm fine with it. I actually think I think Bloodsport was probably like one hour and it was really short. 10 minutes or something. It was awful, but it was short, and that's all I care about for that one. Not a lot of plot there. Have you gone back, Declan, and watched Bloodsport? No, I need to. I need to. You've got to watch Point Break first. And then Point Break. Point yeah, Break, yeah, you've got to watch. You can't do this exercise without the yeah, background what are your, of Point Break. What are your plans on Sunday? Probably watching at least half of WrestleMania That's 19 um, and recovering from certainly numerous claws drank from Saturday and Friday. Beautiful. I got into the Bud Light Seltzers for, a first, for the first time last night. Okay. I'm making my way through all the seltzers. Are, are yeah. these people sponsoring our show yet? Because I feel like if you're going to talk about them and Open I'm going business. to bite. And, I'm going, but, and by the way, each time that you guys talk about these things, I bite my lip because I have opinions. Don't scare away sponsors. Exactly though. right. That's smart, exa- that's exactly guy. right. So I yep. keep my mouth shut. But I feel like they need to come on board or I need to unleash. Okay. Well, we'll or also try a seltzer. And then I'll apologize. Maybe don't judge the seltzer yeah. drinkers. <clears throat> so Action Movie Rewind. This week, Judd's choice of 48 hours, 1982, the first ever feature film for Eddie Murphy. This was uh, two years, I-, I believe, into his four-year run on Saturday Night Live. And so he was just blowing up right around this time period. And um, it got 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. It turned a $12 million budget into $79 million at the box office. And here's the summary. When a pair of reckless cop killers break out of prison, grizzled detective Jack Cates, Nick Nolte, is left no alternative but to spring fast-talking hustler Reggie Hammond, Eddie Murphy, from the penitentiary. No alternative. Zero. There was zero alternative. No police work could have gotten... I might argue that in retrospect, Gans off the street. They probably didn't need to bring the guy out of prison to solve this case. Correct. But who am I? Um, so, anyways, they bring Eddie Murphy out of the penitentiary in order to find the criminals. The catch: the pair only have forty-eight hours to complete their assignment, <laughs> an arbitrary amount of time, by the way, before Hammond must return to prison. Naturally, the two despise each other and even engage in fisticuffs. But eventually, the danger facing them proves a strong enough common bond. For them to play on the same team and even achieve a little mutual admiration by the end. Eddie Murphy, Nick Nolte, and also we have a return. Uh, I forget the actor's name, but the creepy sleazeball from Commando. 
is oh, Fat Freddie Mercury. No, not Fat Freddie Mercury. David Patrick Kelly, who yes. plays Sully in Commando, plays Luther in this film. His name is David Patrick Kelly, veteran stage actor and also a musician of some sort. And plays the I, same character I in him. Commando he and did. in Die, in Die Hard, uh, 48, 48 Hours. And he was so. just, and in fact, so he, he did that in 82, and then I believe Commando was 85, is that correct? Somewhere in there. So basically yeah. within a three-year period, this guy played the same character and probably made a lot of money for doing it. Yep. So let's start with Judd Zolgad. What was your favorite part about 48 Hours? Okay, there's scenes I like, there's scenes I don't like, but you know what I'm going to focus on here? I feel like the key to this film is lines. It's it's just specific lines that I have recalled for years and years since the first time I saw it. Uh, and there's two in particular, but I'm going to go with, and yes, the scene is implausible, but I don't care. The film is implausible. The scene at the end where um, where Gans has Reggie with a gun to his head, and he's going to ostensibly blow him away in front of of Jack, and Jack comes out of the the steam in Chinatown, I believe it is Chinatown. Man. And the guy's like, "I got everything. I got it." And and Jack, "I got says, everything. I got the got, I got the gun. gun? Yeah, I got the money." And by the way, good bad guy Gans. But anyway, so Jack just says, and this is my favorite part: the line, "You're not going to make it." I think we have this, don't we? Uh, not Take Dane, man, yeah. and blow his brains out. He's gonna try it, right, cop? Are you crazy, man? I was just bluffing. Okay. I don't believe it. I got shot. You're done. End of story. Yes. You. Empties the clip. Empties the clip. Now I want you to forget. I want you to forget for one second. That that Gans is shot by Jack. It looks like around the arm. So he's shot, but he's not mortally wounded by yeah. any means. And Gans doesn't drop his gun. But he runs. Which is amazing, by the way. But he but he runs at Jack as if he's going to beat him up or something instead of shooting at him, which makes no sense. I don't care. The line "You're not gonna make it," and then he shoots him, and then he says "You're done," which we just heard, and empties the clip. I absolutely love. How about uh, Gans, Gans by the way, I, I disagree. I don't think he was a great bad guy. I think he... I, I think he's an underrated bad guy. I really liked him. I think he took acting classes, like, the week before this movie yeah, came out. Because, pretty bad. Because when he was... So he gets shot. So he so, he, so the interaction starts with him. He's just, like, crazy and, and, and yes. like, oddly insecure in that moment. Like, I've got the gun, I've got the money, and I've got your partner. And, like, whatever. And he's, like, narrating what's happening. And then he gets shot. And then he goes... I got shot. How did I get shot? I like, never get shot. Yeah. But anyway, I, lo- I love the Jack line. You're not going to make it. You're oh, not going to make it. Just the grizzled cop who doesn't care. And by the way, the, the thing about that scene is it's very important to show you that if Jack had shot Reggie, he really doesn't care that much. He just wants to get the bad guy. So and that's my favorite scene just because the lines in that film are, are great. There's some corny stuff. And there, really there's corny. another one I want to get to when, when uh, the cop who does get shot at the start comes down the stairs, which I love yeah, that we'll, scene too. Let's get there but we sure. can get to that. Declan. Uh, my favorite part is actually at the very opening, and we played it on the first clip. And, and it, we, I'll replay it, and then I'll break it down. That's a fairly crummy way to start a morning. Maybe I got a fairly crummy day. Maybe that makes a nice excuse. Maybe you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Jack, when you start with that attitude, it's like I don't even know who you are. What do you want to know? I mean, what difference does it make? I make you feel good, you make me feel good. Now, what the hell more do you want from a guy? 
We should stop trying to make me mad. I don't have time for this. I gotta go to work. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the scene starts. <laughs> Relationship Dr. Declan here. The scene starts yes, with sir. them obviously waking up from a look like a nice night from the night before. Yep. He's pouring some Jack Daniels into his coffee. That starts the rant. Do you realize he leaves the coffee at home? So he, oh, so he, really? he, he pours the Jack into the coffee. <laughs> this exchange takes place. He says, screw it. I'm out of here. And he's walking out. And I notice, like, wait a minute. He doesn't have the cup of coffee in his hand. So he poured this Jack Daniels into his coffee for this long, hard day of being a cop. Uh. And then he doesn't even bring the coffee. It was like, dude. Okay. Because he's so upset. I think you've opened up a great entry path here to just talk about Nick Nolte's character in this movie, who is a wild alcoholic. Yes. Not only is he pouring whiskey into his coffee to start the day. Mm Mm-hmm. And forgets about it because it's just like habit. It's like it's like you know forgetting to. Well, he's got the flask all the time, right? So True. he puts the flask. So in he's the got the flask. True. He's regularly taking sips out of the flask before driving around San Francisco. Yes, this is probably like ten years before, like uh, Dare program came out and mo- like Mothers right Against Drug Matt, Driving. It's right around the time that Mad started, actually. Okay, so Mothers Against Drug Driving, and then we had uh, Drug Abuse Resistance But education. he's a cop. Don't forget, he's a cop. But in 1982, what I'm saying is, the country didn't care that much about, and they cared a little bit about drugs in the 70s and 80s, and then, like, you know, uh, Reagan tried to put a bunch of people in prison. There's a great documentary about that on Netflix called The 13th, but I, I digress. And I think the fact that he's just drinking and driving throughout the entire movie is a little bit distracting for me, knowing that in this era, we're so strict on that. And in 1982, it was like, oh, whatever, we'll just trail you home if you're bombing You your do car, realize right? that, that that film might be the most accurate portrayal of Nick Nolte's life possible, right? Yeah. Like, this is that's really him. Like, he's complete. Crazy man. He is. He. Uh, the rest of the things about his character, I just wrote a bunch of notes about his character here that I'm going to buzz through off Declan's point. So he is a deplorable human being in this movie and may even just be a deplorable human being in his life. I don't. I, I know that he's kind of disheveled and a drinking problem yeah. and drugs. Yeah. He did a ton of cocaine in the 80s and stuff. Absolutely. But And I've got a couple anecdotes from the internet, which we'll get to later. But he treats everyone around him like garbage throughout the movie. He's very easily flustered and offended, which seems problematic for somebody that has a gun on them at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets into he gets into pointless arguments with his girlfriend, too, like... All the time. Like, how do you even decipher what these arguments are about? They're just like... It's just a codependent relationship that needs therapy. Well, that's Let's the right... That, that's them trying to write her in a little bit and, and make it clear what her role is in the film without her having too much to do. Sure. And they never even they never even resolved it at the end. He was just he tells Eddie Murphy in the car he's like, "I'll like make it's it a up. great I'll make it up to her tomorrow." And then rips his fiftieth heater. It's of the a movie. great <laughs> it, it's a great flawed film. Amazing. Uh, my favorite part of this movie is probably the theme of Eddie Murphy. So he so his prison term is three years, and he has six months left. So he's been in prison for two and a half years, and he's horny. And that's one of the main themes throughout the entire movie. He's just like, yeah, he's kind of trying to solve the case, but he's got 48 hours to solve the case and get some. Yeah, yeah. get some. And there's a line in here. Is there? Yep. Do we have this? Yep. Okay. I need trim. Okay. Yep. Hey, listen. My name is Reggie. I'm Candy. Yo, look, Candy. Um, if I don't get some trim before the night's over, I'm a bust. What? I'm a trim. Mugambo. Sex. Are you crazy? You can't ask me any better than that. Look, you don't understand. It's 10.05. By 10.10, I want to be into some flesh, okay? Let's just go across the street over here. Wait a second. I don't have no money. Do you have any money on you? You mean to tell me that you can't even pay for the room? Hey, Jack, what's happening? I want you to meet my friend Candy. This is Jack. 
Hello. And goodbye. Uh, well, maybe I'll see you later. Yeah, I hope so. You know, that's some rude to be pulling, man. It's the second time this week. He's just hor- And finally, near the end, he finally has his night with the gal and then goes back to prison. So. Because he is the the great thing about the character is is to your point he he was at the height of his popularity of SNL at that time yeah and so they basically wrote this character of Eddie Murphy being himself dropping one yes. liners in this cop buddy film and like they tried to write Nick Nolte around him so like he got offended or he called him of. A variety of racist terms. Oh, yeah. But it was also like Murphy's stand-up role just sort of put into the film. Yeah, it was uh, – well, there's other things we'll get into here, but this is this is also like the first – all right, I'll just say it. Say Nick it. Nolte kind of ruined this movie for me. I didn't, I didn't like Nick Nolte in this movie. And I generally don't like Nick Nolte, period, well, but I understand that he's an icon of this era of movies. They fixed it for you. My good and man. that's what I was going to say. Th- this, they fixed it for you. This movie starts a run of buddy cop movies throughout the 80s, and Eddie Murphy was the center of the early run of these. Yes, he was. So your your buddy cop movies included at the end of the decade, Lethal Weapon, Bad Boys in the 90s, uh, even like Turner and Hooch. Like there's all these little spinoffs. <laughs> well, but God th- help us. But yeah. 48 Hours basically s- created Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. And then three different Beverly Hills Cop Do you movies. like Judge? And I like I like Judge Reinhold's character in Beverly Hills Cop more than I like Nick Nolte's character. Nick Nolte is just like he's there's not enough of a humorous side to him. He's just like this grouchy oaf that's drinking and smoking. Well, I think this film was supposed to be relatively in some ways, not totally. In some ways, I think it was supposed to be sort of gritty and grainy and dark and and not it was supposed to be funny but not across the board. And it's like the people who did Beverly Hills Cop watched it, and they're like, oh, wait, hold, hold on a second. I got a PG film that's going to make way more because people can take their kids, right? Because Reinhold's was, was character— it I think it's more like PG-13. Well, Beverly right, but, but, I'm, but I'm saying 48 Hours was this gritty, grimy, sort of adult film. Like, yeah. you wouldn't take your kid to it. They 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 dumbed they dumbed down the criminals in Beverly Hills Cop. They dumbed down the cops more to make them more friendly. And let's put you know let's put banana in the tailpipe. Banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, they sort of they sort of looked. I think at Forty Eight Hours and said, if we were to insert the Marx Brothers here, what would we have? And so it became this much more yeah. just sort of fun eighties. To your point. Um, cop buddy film, yeah. as opposed to this gritty, grimy, alcoholic driven. So I think I think you've nailed it because I think my my beef with this movie I mean, is, I get is, is basically that like it should be Beverly Hills Cop, <laughs> like let Eddie Murphy star and then have kind of the grizzled white cop instead of just like grunting through the whole movie and dropping racist, right? Just have that be a different character that's yeah. a little bit more fun, and they did that with Beverly Hills Cop. So uh, let's go through least least favorite parts of the movie. Judd Zilgett. Okay, my the movie again to go back to my point from before. It had a ton of implausible things, right? So like I'm I'm there's a lot of things where you said this makes no sense, but the one to me that stands out and actually brings up my second favorite line from the film. But the whole scene is so beyond the scope of belief. It is when the bad guys shoot the two cops in the hotel. And Jack is downstairs and he tells the receptionist um, or the person at the desk, you know, call the police, call for help. And so that that was a weird, that was a weird, how many takes did they do on that one? 
He po- it's like he points almost like the James Bond opening where he's like coming down the middle of the street. Yes. And he, goes, he points at the receptionist and goes, "Call for help! Call for help!" <laughs> yeah, super but, funny. But here's the but here's my least favorite part or among them. The cop that gets shot, who is clearly not close to being dead, I think he got hit, but I don't think he's like in terrible shape. While the while the bad guys are downstairs and Jack has a gun on them, the cop who didn't get killed moseys down the stairs and just stands there. And he's sort of sweating, but he's not like passed out. And that's where the that's where Gans tells Jack, give me your gun and I won't waste him. And then of course Jack gives him his gun and he wastes the cop. But what the hell is that cop doing yeah. coming down? You've been shot. Lay down I, upstairs and wait for help. So I will say that that's not even the biggest flaw in that scene. The, oh. big, the biggest flaw in that scene. I just think it's hilarious. But, but quickly, the best line, though, I love this line, is the line where the guy says, give me your gun. And the cop who's been shot says, don't you do that, Jack. Don't you do that for me. Don't you do that for me. So the the, the major flaw of that scene, and I and it like – it. Stuff like this just kind of like derails the movie temporarily for me. It's like, sure. why, like somebody clean that up, please. So the bad guy has a gun. I can't remember the one of the bad guys has a gun. Nick Nolte does not because he has given up his gun, as you mentioned. Yeah, right? G- Gans has the gun, and Billy okay. Bear is the one that runs out the door. So, uh, so Gans shoots the other cop, like you said, yes. and still has like three or four bullets left in the gun. Yeah. So Nick Nolte then, without a gun. Runs and jumps over the receptionist desk, yeah. and the with again without a gun yeah. jumps over the receptionist desk. The bad guy Gans has four bullets left, and instead of just walking over, pointing the gun Get, over the top of the counter he, he and killing the guilty, he no he freaks out and fires four bullets into the side of the desk. So Nick Nolte jumps over the desk yeah. without a gun. Yeah. Bad guy has a gun, <laughs> spazzes, and just like fires four bullets into the side of the, the, the desk instead of walking over and just shooting Nick how Nolte many scenes, and ending the movie. How many scenes <laughs> did it take for Nolte, who's not a small guy and not exactly in great shape, to get over that desk? Or how, oh how did they That's orchestrate a stunt, it was a stunt double, double right? It 100% for sure. was a double. Because it's hilarious because there's no way that Nick Nolte <laughs> at that age and in that shape could have gotten over that desk. It's for sure a stunt double. All right, okay. Declan. Your least favorite part about this movie. Okay, so I, I love Eddie Murphy. He's one of my all-time favorites. And the only bone I had to pick with him, or maybe the creators of this movie is, I'm all for skinny dudes coming up stronger than they look. Eddie Murphy had no business winning any of that fight against Multi. He would have been dry, he would have hit the ground immediately taking one of those licks. And I know That's he's like supposed point. to be a funny guy. He, every time he like got into an altercation, I'm like Eddie Murphy would get his ass kicked. Like he would honestly, he would drop to the floor. I don't think he would hold his own. I thought it was a little but, ridiculous that wait, they made him out to be like a superhuman. You mean walking into a Confederate bar with fifty angry and in some cases armed white men? And- I do. Yeah. I'd like something to drink, preferably some vodka. <laughs> Best have a black Russian. <laughs> black Russian. So he walks into this, it's a, it's a Confederate country bar right. and there's, and there's just like country angry music? white people all over the place yep. and he's just getting all these racial slurs. But he's got Nolte's badge because, because Jack has, has now decided to give him the badge for a bet. Yep. And so instead of like 
dying or getting his ass kicked. He just like brings all the music and everyone to a halt and, and clowns everybody. So Was that scene essentially done by the people that wrote the, the film who were keeping Murphy's popularity from SNL very much in mind? Was that scene done solely so he could do his southern accent, which is hilarious? Probably. I, I think it yeah. was done so he could basically break out his southern drawl. It probably was. Probably was. So this actually could dovetail into my least favorite thing of this movie, which is just the number of uncomfortable racial slurs. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I'd forgotten. I didn't count didn't the N word about at the time. The N word is uttered in this movie like probably ten times. Yeah. Oh yeah. The opening the opening scene. So you had the opening scene where the where the you've got the two criminals, one's trying to get the the one off the chain gang, right? And mm-hmm. he pulls up in his truck and he's I need you know, my, my truck Bear. batteries, but Billy Bear pulls up <laughs> Billy Bear's a great and, name. and they call him Tonto. Yes. And make a quip about fire water. So yeah. that's that's the like the the quote yeah. was, I wonder what reservation he came from. Maybe you should have stolen a better truck, Tonto. Yes. It's like, oh, okay, we're doing that in this movie. It got worse. And then you had Nick Nolte calling Eddie Murphy watermelon. Yes. Yeah. And and that was you know, it's like, oh wow, that is amazing. And then they just went from Tonto and Watermelon and said, nah, let's just go the extra step and use the N word. Nick Nolte calls Eddie Murphy the N-word like three times in this movie. Yeah. Not as like buddy-buddy, which you shouldn't do either, but like as a derogatory term. So, uh, and then of course, Eddie gets called the N-word in the Confederate flag bar. So it's a little bit jarring, especially in the times that we live in right now with Black Lives Matter, to just hear that word thrown around. Like if they made a movie right now about the 60s or the 70s, I think they would even limit the use of the N-word. Oh, I agree. Yeah. So... That well, was, uh, and and he called him convict a bunch too, which was fine because it was derogatory. Uh, yeah, I didn't understand the the need to do that for the effect of Nolte's character was a little bit weird after a while, especially too when they like first meet in the car. Is your comment? Yeah, look like you bought it off one of the brothers. All right, I did my part and I got you out, so now you do yours. Where are we going? We gotta go see a guy named Luther. Gans will be going to see him soon. We ain't got that much time, though. Is Luther part of the gang? What gang you talking about, Jack? Hey, I can read a police file, shithead. Quit calling me Jack. It's just an expression, all right? I don't mean nothing by it. I don't give a damn. It happens to be my name. What the hell are you complaining for? At least nobody calling you shithead. I may call you worse than that. <laughs> oh, God. And that's not even, I mean. And he does. That, that is, yeah. That's the least of the, <laughs> yeah. the worst things he says. Yeah, that, I'm I'm with you, and I, I, I know, you know, times have changed for sure. But it did get to be a little bit jarring. You're like, really? Yeah. Uh, what else stood out to you guys in this movie? Good or bad? I've got a bunch of stuff from um, the internet to get into here. The good, you. the good. I'm going. Uh, the good is the pace of film was fantastic, and and I like the fact that they start with the guys on the chain gang and they kill the the cops who who are guarding the chain gang immediately. And the interesting thing about the pace of film here is is Murphy's character didn't appear, by my count, until 26 minutes into this film, and they still kept it pretty quick. So I will say, even if you don't like this film, it's not offensively long, and it doesn't drag out. They basically have enough enough uh, um, action-slash-one-liners yeah. to keep it occupied. Yeah. So I actually thought the pace of film to get through this was very, very sim- simple, which this would have been a film, if they had tried to drag this this film out, and films have done this before, mm-hmm. it would have gotten long. Like, it would have been like, are you serious? Yeah. I, I just felt the plot moved, like, kind of all over the place. So it starts with, obviously, that guy getting his girlfriend, the money taken, and, and then it just 
They pause away, so then they go to Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy, and they set that up. But we don't see those two dudes again for like 45 more minutes into the movie. Like, it's basically setting up the relationship, obviously, between Nolte and Eddie Murphy. And I was just like, well, wait a minute, what about the real bad guy? So then, it like, then it's a cat and mouse game for like the last 35 minutes of, you almost got me, you got me, you almost got me, and then Nolte get in trouble with the cop. I, I just thought the storyline was, was a little messy and hard to follow at times. I did like that, though, because if they had tried to focus more on the bad guys, it mm-hmm. would have gotten tired. Yeah, there, there, like okay. I like the fact that we just action. saw them and then we didn't see them. We know they're evil, and they're right, not that imp- and they're not that important. They the important thing I think really the heart of this film was how much could you get from the two main actors. I did, by the way, though the, the police thing. Don't you love the screaming lieutenant? I'm gonna have your ass if you don't have. And don't you think you're a little being a little hard on him there? And then, <laughs> and then the fact that Jack's character or that Jack goes behind the lieutenant to get Reggie out of jail, but doesn't tell him and says it's like some type of what informant or some like FBI thing. But I just I love the screaming lieutenant. They're such a staple of the seventies into the eighties. I think. Okay, so in Including retrospect, Beverly Hills Cop, yep. same thing. Lethal Weapon too. Yep. Di- you guys hard. are yeah. your ass is grass. Yeah. Okay. In retrospect, did Nick Nolte really need Eddie Murphy? Did the police department really need right. Eddie Murphy? I was just confused to well, solve this case. Well, let's okay. Let's backtrack just a little bit on that question. So two cops get blown away. Uh, Jack was just there because he showed up. So he wasn't like backup. Two cops get shot but by, by these guys that they think are credit card robbers, but they turn out to be escaped uh, convicts. And Jack basically goes back in after these two are killed on his watch, basically. So he saw it. Uh, he goes back to work immediately, almost gets in a fight with a colleague, and then tells his lieutenant, I'm working this one alone. So the answer to your question, I think, goes much deeper than did he need Reggie. I think the question is, would you really tell a guy who just saw two cops or his friends get shot, go work this one alone? He also... I mean, it's not plausible. It's good. Yeah. It's funny. Well, he also... Uh, so he goes to to talk to Reggie in prison, and Reggie agrees to help out. But Which then, is the great scene, by the way. The Roxanne is, scene. He is right. The Roxanne scene was an eighties was an eighties staple. I can't tell I can't tell you how many times my buddies and I would do Roxanne because of that. I'd love to see that. It's pretty funny. But but he goes and he and he goes to get some information from Reggie about these criminals and and Reggie goes, Yeah, I'll definitely help you, but I gotta like you gotta bring me with. Like I gotta get out of prison to help you. To which, like, there's no checks and balances, nothing. Nope. He just, all right, cool, we'll just bring you out, and now you're a free man for <laughs> an arbitrary 48-hour period, not 72. Like, why couldn't it have been 72? Right. If they needed an extra day to solve the case, like, why wouldn't it be pay, 72? Pay so, it's a movie. I don't know. We so, need to keep it short. The whole, th- the whole thing was just a little bit, it's like, all right, well, we definitely want to do a buddy cop thing with Eddie Murphy and uh, some, like, grizzled white veteran police officer. Like, what's our mechanism? So here's some background information from the Internet about the original cast as it was written in the 70s, and then why Nick Nolte uh, almost didn't do the movie with Eddie Murphy. Hmm. So casting notes, in the late 70s, so this script was kind of like variations of this script were kind of floating around Hollywood in the 70s. And uh, in the late 70s, the script for the film moved from Columbia to Paramount, who wanted to do a draft of the movie for Clint Eastwood. 
So we're like 1977, 78, 79, and, the, and, and Paramount said, we want to do this for Clint Eastwood. Interesting. Okay. So they hired someone to rewrite the script with Clint Eastwood as the criminal. He did so, quote, but, as, as Murphy? I or guess. As, as one of the bad, bad guys? Um, it had I, to be Murphy. I, I don't know. Prob- I it don't had know. to be Reggie. Probably Murphy, yeah. Okay. But when I turned it in, I said I didn't think it would work, the writer said, adding... The best idea would be to make Richard Pryor the criminal and have someone like Eastwood play the cop. So they were going to have Clint Eastwood oh, yeah. as Nick Nolte and Richard Pryor that. as yeah. Eddie Murphy. I totally see that. I would love that. Now, back in 1978 or 79, no one seemed to think that this was a good idea. Eastwood actually ended up playing a criminal in Escape from Alcatraz instead, which is a great movie. Yep. I don't know if it qualifies as like action movie rewind, but it's a great, it's a great movie. And it's somewhat based on a true story. Sure. And as a result, 48 hours went into limbo for for two or three years. Okay. So R- Richard Pryor wound up just becoming like too famous and big and whatnot. So on the Nolte Eddie Murphy front, this is from an interview or a podcast. Nick Nolte, Nick Nolte's still alive and is in his late seventies. Now it's remarkable. Still, that is insane. Still cooking. I mean, he, he looked dead then <laughs> he did. He looked terrible. Awful. And he's only like 40 in this movie. Yeah, yeah I know he is. Awful. Yeah. He was like 40. God. So Nick Nolte almost didn't do the movie with Eddie Murphy. Okay. 48 Hours director Walter Hill dispatched Nick Nolte to New York to meet with Saturday Night Live star Eddie Murphy, who had yet to act in a film. Quote, this is from Nick Nolte, a firsthand account. Mm -hmm. I flew to New York, and I got to 48th Street, and I knew a black saxophone player there. So he's, the director has flown him to New York to go sit down with Eddie Murphy to figure out, like, can you guys do this movie together? So he goes to New York, and he knows a black saxophone player there. And I got up to his apartment. And in those days, there was a white powdery substance running around that was abused badly. And I sat in that apartment for three days doing cocaine. Oh, my God. And I said to him finally, hey, man, I got to get over to meet this guy at Saturday Night Live, he said. The black cat, he goes? Yeah. Oh, you can't use him. He's a base freak. I think I'm guessing that means a cocaine freak, a base freak. Okay. You can't go near him. And so Nick <laughs> Nolte's like, oh, well, in that case, I'll just go back to California. I'll just go home. I'll take your word for it. So he go so he just takes this like random black saxophone player's word for it that Eddie Murphy is a he's a cocaine freak so or whatever. He was going to meet him but now he's not going to meet him. So he didn't meet him. Okay. And he gets home and he tells the director that Eddie Murphy was a bass freak and the director said, "Eddie Murphy, did you not meet him?" That's the last time I'm sending you out. Uh, then he meets Eddie and finds out that the saxophone player was referring to a different cast member. He got the two mixed up. There might have been a different black cast member. So Eddie Murphy was like, you know, 18 years old, young guy, didn't go anywhere near any substances apparently in the early days. Okay. And so anyways, Nick Nolte was supposed to go meet Eddie Murphy, didn't meet him, instead went on a three-day cocaine bender and then just came back to but California. Then he, oh wait, so he went on a cocaine bender but didn't go meet Murphy because he was a, he was told that Murphy was a cocaine addict, which he wasn't. Um, that's my translation. Gotta love of, the 80s. So that's my it. translation of base freak. And maybe if there's somebody with a little more background that listens to the show that could tell us what base freak means. Can you Google it? And, yeah, it's, it's an urban dictionary probably. And see if it's uh, yeah. see if we can find out what base freak means. I base mean, I'm guessing, freak. I'm guessing you're right. Uh, this Okay, base freak. Yeah, this is from some website. It's urban dictionary. I would say that would be the good one to... Reference. Yep, it, to it base cocaine. Drugs. Base okay. cocaine. Got it. Not crack smoke, cocaine. Okay. Base cocaine. Well, this is a smoker of crack cocaine on the website. So it's, oh. it, it, it's drugs. But it's drugs. Yeah. Doing drugs. So, drugs. But that was That's incorrect. The, the, the but Nolte was so high, he just left. So he's high on cocaine okay. and being told, no, you don't want to work with that guy. That guy's a cocaine freak while he's high on Why cocaine. Okay. okay. Uh, also, Nick, Nick Nolte is notorious for his movie preparation. 
for his role as the vagrant Jerry Baskin in 1986's Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Oh, great, Nick Nolte spent several days living as a homeless person on the streets of Los Angeles. Yeah, I could see that. He said he spent six days sleeping like on the streets of Los Angeles. Could totally as a homeless see person. that. I he looks that. like he could do that. Yes. For Blue Chips 1994, Nolte shadowed Bobby Knight, legendary college basketball coach, and wrote a 200-page novel from the well, novel is a 200-page novel from the perspective of the character Pete Bell. So he like put himself in the shoes of a coach. And so he is as crazy as we think he is. Yes. Yeah. Nick Nolte, man. There's that famous picture of Nick Nolte, too, on the internet. The, I think it's after a DUI where he was all crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. In which I really Psycho. think he looks more like Gary Busey on drugs than Nick Nolte, but yeah, that's, that's a whole true. other story. I, I don't know why, but I got, like, a lot of Jeff Daniels vibes when I was watching the movie. I was like, is, it yeah. kind of looks like him. Like, yeah, I, I agree interesting. With that. Yeah, like, yeah. I saw that, and yeah. I was like, wait, is this Jeff Daniels? When I, like, when I first saw him, I'm like, oh, no. He's got Jeff, Jeff Daniels, Daniels vibes. He doesn't yeah. have the humor side of Jeff right. Daniels. But, but like, yeah. looks. Actually, you know what? D- Daniels... To Phil's point, would have been a better um, casted person for that role. Probably. Probably. Like, he would have been Probably. more lovely. The, the thing with, with Nolte is there's nothing about him that could be a, a buddy. Actually. Like, he, the whole the whole thought of these two guys are going to be cop buddies doesn't work with a guy who's as unlovable yeah. as Nick Nolte. Jeff Daniels would have been good. I see what they That's were going for here. I mean, Clint Eastwood was the first one that they had in mind to play one of these roles. And if... <laughs> you know, I think Clint. I mean, Clint Eastwood is like what Nick Nolte would have aspired to be. But why in that would era, you right? cast? So. Why would you even think about casting Eastwood as the bat as Reggie? I mean, yeah. that that bat that would have been a terrible. Would have been a complete. Now Pryor, Pryor would have been yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yes. that would have been funny. So uh, before we get to definitive bad guy rankings and the overall score, any other things you guys want to point out from 48 hours? I think anything I'm we missed. Exhausted my notes. Yeah. Declan, you got anything I'm, else? I'm good. I'm good here on cool. my end. So definitive bad guy rankings here. Uh, so far, the top five, Hans Gruber from Die Hard, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse, Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon, Ivan Drago from Rocky IV. Yeah. At the bottom five, we have Richie from Out for Justice. Richie! Richie. Anybody Richie. seen Richie? Bennett from Commando, General Hummel from The Rock, Sloan from Wanted, and the incompetent Russian military Sloan. from Rambo 3 at the bottom. So the villains in this movie, Gans and Billy Bear. Really, right? Yeah. yeah. It's Gans and Billy Bear. And, and Gans is the is the primary bad guy because yeah. I take it from the film that Billy Bear follows Gans' lead, right? Yes, yes. So the so to me, the categories as we've sort of landed here, 21 episodes into Action Movie Rewind, it's sort of a combination of how great was the character, how iconic was the character, and it's it's less about, like at first we said, well, Bodhi from Point Break was not really that bad of a guy, and so but his character was great, so yeah, we wanted to bring him up. Yep. Yep. So I'm with you on I, there's that. not really an icon, like the iconic characters here are the buddy cops. Yes. And so the, it's not really even about the bad guys. So I don't think they can be. I think they almost have to be bottom five just by the nature of the, the bad who's, guys. Who's are bottom five again? Give me the bottom so five. Bottom again. five. Richie out for justice. Okay. Fat ben, guy. Bennett from Commando. Fat, fat guy. General Hummel from The Rock. General Hummel. Sloan from, from Wanted. Yeah. And the incompetent Russian military. I would put Gans above the incompetent Russian military and I'd stop right there. That's fair. Because he, yeah. he's not fat. I mean that's got to be. He's more realistic. A point, saying, right? Yeah. Like not, I'm we're sorry. Not trying to be, uh, we're not trying to be like fat shamers here, dude. I've gained weight. I'm I'm 
myself. I'm saying you're, but what, what you're saying is right more now. like like Bennett from Commando was not a realistic villain he's because a, he, why would he be? How would doughy. he stand up in a fight with Arnold Schwarzenegger? He's way too doughy. So right. I would say because the the one thing that I will give Gans and Billy Bear, but especially Gans, is he is crazy. Like he's good at being crazy. Yeah, he's shooting arbitrarily. It's it's clear he's supposed to be coked up, right? So I would put him. I'd put him uh, above. Yeah, and, and honestly, like it's not even it's not even really his fault. It's not that he played the character. I mean, I know I made fun of his acting, but it's more he fulfilled the role that he was supposed to. Which I thought was, he was good. I thought he played a good, crazy guy. And and hmm. to the writer's credit, they knew he wasn't that important. The problem would have been if they had given him more. Sure, and then you'd be like, this guy really can't act. So. Declan, I know you haven't seen all of these with us because you jumped into Action Movie Rewind sort of halfway through, but your thoughts on us ranking Gans and Billy Bear near the bottom? No, that's probably accurate. I mean, they, they just were really good at playing like mouse, you know, in the cat and mouse game. They, they just were really good at getting away. And, I mean, they, okay, they they liked hookers, clearly. That was obviously a thing that they liked to do. Um, oh, that's another part of the movie we didn't talk about. So Eddie Murphy at one point is like ordering a hooker on the phone, right? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Gans and Billy Bear. Billy, yeah, because the first thing that they get to the big city, they and get hookers at every place on, they go. Just like or, they're they ordering go. hookers like we would order bites. But Gans <laughs> likes to. But as the one hooker said, Gans likes to shoot his gun more than actually perform the act. Oh, right. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So I, I think both of them were. I mean, they were able to get away. So like, good for them. And they just wanted this money, but they weren't like diabolical in their plan by any means. So towards the bottom is definitely correct. Yep. All right. So uh, now we get to our 1 through 10 ranking system here, and the top movies that we've rated so far, Die Hard with a straight 10 across the board, John Wick, 9.3, Commando, 9.2, Fast and the Furious and the Expendables at an 8.8, Roadhouse, Hard to Kill, both at 8.5, Rocky Four at 8.2, Independence Day at an 8, and Point Break at an 8. Yeah, and the bottom three to this point yep. are Rambo three with a four, Wanted with a three point eight, and Bloodsport with a three, which is really a shame because I gave it like an eight. Yeah, you did. It was awful. Yep. So uh, we'll start with Judd Zilkin. So if I hadn't hmm. watched this film again this week, I would have given it a higher grade. But after watching Doesn't it again, hold up as well. well, I got to be honest, I, and this is going to sound really, really wimpy of me or weird of me. The need for the N-word and the racist dialogue now, to me, really started to throw me after yeah. a while. And I was just like, what? You don't, in any era, you don't, like, it doesn't need that. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Uh, it got uncomfortable. Um, there were more flaws than I recalled. <laughs> look, look, it fulfilled a lot of the requirements for the exercise that we're doing here. But I can't put it up with the greatest uh, films that we ranked. I'm going to give it a uh, six. Okay. I'm going to give it a six. Yeah, I, I'll be honest. Coming after, like once I finished the movie, I was like, "Man, that kind of sucked." <laughs> like, I, that's kind of was what I took away from it. I just wasn't really entertained, um, and I was really gonna poo-poo it. But sleeping on it for a night, reviewing it with you guys, I, I'll say it's a five. Like, I, I was actually gonna have it lower, like a two or a three, but I'll say it's a five. Like, it it does meet our requirements, um, but to me, like, it wasn't captivating, and and I I was kind of getting bored through it. So I, I would give it a five. It was a five out of ten. So I uh, I came in before you guys said anything, and I said a six, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stay at a six okay. after reviewing this. It's fine. I would probably not look to watch it front to back again if I was given the choice of like any other Eddie Murphy buddy cop movie throughout <laughs> the '80s. And I think you know, in its time, it was it was the gateway to a run of Correct. great buddy cop movies. That's exactly and that, they, that's they, the, the importance of yep, it. Yep, they tweaked the formula, and they and they came out with Beverly Hills Cop, Lethal Weapon, and all these great 
buddy cop movies. And so that brings the average to a 5.7, which puts it fifth from the bottom. It puts it just above Air Force One, which I feel like we didn't give Air Force One enough credit there. But uh, 5.7, Get off and it, it's just behind The Rock, Con Air, and Out for Justice in the sixth range. Okay, that's, so, that's, that's very that's fair. Fine, yeah, it's in the middle. I think uh, I right. think our rankings to date have been incredibly fair. Agree with that, I agree. and and really spot on. Yeah. yeah. And a reminder too, uh, we've been taking suggestions. We have just we all have a bank. We go around the room and we we every week. Uh, it's some. It's my turn this week to pick the next movie. But we we appreciate when you guys send us suggestions at Phil Mackey on Twitter at Jay Zolgad and at Dex's tweets. And when you watch the movies ahead of time, so you can keep up with these episodes which have become, along with Write That Down, the most downloaded thing on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. So we thank you. And it's funny because I had a couple movies on my list here. In fact, I was I was going to tee up Beverly Hills Cop before Judd picked 48 Hours. So we'll move that. We can do that later on this year at some point. Sure. But the one that I settled on before coming to the studio today, Declan actually foreshadowed it, I think, off the microphone. Nice. By saying... Sweep the leg. Oh, <laughs> Karate Kid yes. is our movie yes. for next week. Karate You're Kid. The best around. Oh, uh, I'm excited. I haven't seen this in years. I'm jacked. Karate Kid, gentlemen. Ralph Macchio, right? I will say it violates the two-hour rule. It's like two hours and five minutes. That's okay. But I think this movie. It's as long as we keep it close. As long as we keep it close to two. When's the last time you guys saw this movie straight through? I'm not even kidding. Maybe I was ten years old, if not younger. Like it's been seventeen years. I saw one of them in the theaters. It might have been Karate Kid Two, though, um, that I saw at um, Harmar years and years ago. Uh, I don't know that I saw this one in the theater. I've definitely seen it. It's probably been. Oh boy, I wouldn't have watched it in the nineties. I don't. It probably been thirty years. Beautiful, awesome. Yes, this will be great. Machio. Also, don't make the mistake. There is Arnold a, from Happy Days. Yeah, there's a there's a remake with Will Smith's kid. Don't, don't get tricked. Oh no, no, Do you've got to watch the uh, one with Ralph, Ralph Machio. Machio. Yes, wax on. Who was basically Scott Bayo and Machio went back and forth, right? Is Teen stars, teen idols. There's also a spinoff series that they just created on right. YouTube TV like two years ago called Cobra Kai. Yeah. With yep. Ralph Macchio and Johnny Lawrence. And, and the old guy now. Is he? What? The old guy. The blonde guy. The, the oh, guy yeah. who, who was yeah, the bad guy, Johnny right? Lo- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he don't Put look so good. Put him in a body bag, Johnny. Yeah. He don't look so good no more. Well, we don't either. That's okay. COVID will do that to you. Anybody seen Richie? <laughs> Richie. That's you got to get back. I got to get back to some Seagal boys. <laughs> Anything's bothering you besides losing your gun? Yeah, it bothers me when cops get killed. I don't like that. You might be a little more of a team player and a little less of a hot dog on this one. Hot dog has been working real well since. <laughs> Besides, I gotta leave. Okay, you gotta do things your own way? Fine. You nail this guy and make us all look good, but you better watch your ass because everybody's watching on this one. If you screw up, I can promise you, you're going down. I want to send a guy with a real great attitude, boy.